Caterpillar. Listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there Rodriguez with I Wonder. And Rodriguez is coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada on June the 22nd to Richards on Richards. Rodriguez in Vancouver on June the 22nd. Probably his first time ever playing Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And that was Rodriguez from a light in the attic reissue. Rodriguez, cold fact, and the song I Wonder. Today on the Nardwarty Human Serviette Radio Show, speaking of the word Rodriguez, an interview with the band The Horrors from London, England. How do they connect to Rodriguez? Well, when I think of Rodriguez, I think of great rock and roll, of course, and Richards and Richards on the 22nd, but I kind of also think of Andrew Rodriguez, a guy who played in a band from Montreal called The Sherlocks. He eventually went into a band called Bodiga. Now, when I think of The Sherlocks, I think from Montreal, Quebec, The Gruesomes, because The Sherlocks were influenced by The Gruesomes. And guess who was influenced by The Gruesomes? The Horror! 
horrors the horrors also really loved Joe Meek. And of course the song Crawdaddy Simone was covered by the horrors. Here's the original of Crawdaddy Simone by the Syndicates. And after that, or the Syndicates, not to be confused with Taco Cat from Seattle, Washington, 90120. Right after that, we're going to play another sort of wild influence on both the gruesomes and on the horrors, the music machine. We're going to hear a couple tracks in the music machine, some demos, some demo live rehearsals. So here coming up is Crawdaddy Simone by the Syndicats. Then the music machine rehearsal, the people and me. Then the music machine rehearsal, trouble and then an interview with the horrors from london england on citr fm 102 cable 102 vancouver british columbia canada the nardward human serviette radio show cheating was his trade Cell of lies, a heart so cold, he seemed to hypnotize. He always walks alone, crawled at a Simone. He had no extra grind, you never saw him smile, but his luck was good. He always walks alone Crawdaddy Simone He ain't got no friends He ain't got no friends He ain't got no friends yet He ain't got no friends He always walks alone
let's go. People in me, one, two, one, two, three, four.
Who are you? Ferris. From? The Horrors. And Ferris, who'd you have beside you? I've got Reese. Hello, Spiderweb. Hello there, how are you? Can I call you Spiderweb? You certainly can, yes. Now, what makes Reese Spiderweb? Uh, well, I'd imagine it's his choice, isn't it? I don't, I don't know. I mean, how would you answer that question? Well, you're missing one thing here, Spiderweb. And what's that? You're missing your hat! Would you like to feel more at home by having a hat? Um... Possibly. I don't know. I don't often wear top hats, so it doesn't really make me feel more at home. Your hat. What's the ki- well, not really. Your hat. Uh, no, because then the bald spots will be showing. Well, don't be shy now. What is the connection between the horse and the hat? I've seen some photo shoots with that hat, haven't I? There's one photo shoot with these hats, um, which was a way of us making that day more enjoyable than it set out to be. Um, so, yeah, hats were brought in to entertain the band. And it was. And- we were copying that Edward Gorey uh, drawing, but yeah. Would you like to wear the hat at all, Ferris, during this interview? You know what? That's the last thing I want to do. In fact, I'm going to throw the hat on the floor. Because... Disgust. Disgust. Because to me, when I think of the horrors, I think of a hat. Really? None of us have ever worn those hats, ever. The photo shoot, though. The photo shoot. There's one legendary photo shoot. However, it is hard, kind of, to figure out who are the horrors. Like, I've been confused. Like, who are the horrors? Well, we are the horrors. Yeah, but who are the horrors? Because if you go back in time, you see the horrors on In The Red Records. Well, I'll tell you what's funny about that. What can you tell the people about the horrors on In The Red Records from 2003, which is pretty close to you guys? Pretty close. Yeah, we were 2006. We hadn't heard the horrors before, but um, I don't know. I think if you go through our record boxes, I think I've got... Well, I've got a single by a band called Led Zeppelin that came out in uh, 1967. It was a one-off thing on this small English label. And that predates uh, the otherwise, you know, the, the bigger name band. Nirvana. Nirvana, for example. Nirvana Rainbow was. Chaser, an amazing track. Uh, in fact, they released hundreds of great records. and Soundtrack for the Touchables. There you go. Um, for us, it's just kind of like, you know, we came from a tradition of bands where that kind of stuff happened. So we didn't notice. And then when we did, we thought, fuck it. Well, I thought it was really cool, though, because the horrors, they're on In The Red Records. You guys love In The Red Records, you know, the Black Lips, etc. Yeah, we do. And a few years later, here are the horrors. Did you ever meet these guys? I noticed they had thehorrors.com for a while. Well, we did get an email from them at one point, but um, I think, you know, they, they split up a long time ago. I don't know, to be honest, it doesn't really matter, I don't think. So you guys mentioned Led Zeppelin. Alice Cooper, you know, in that same sort of vein, has the famous chicken story, doesn't he? Y- yes. You know, Alice Cooper and the chicken, the chicken getting ripped apart. Yeah. Now, the horrors have a similar story, don't you? About little Jimmy the cat? The cats from the old blue last, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah what happened there? Well, <laughs> it was a Victorian ceiling, and, uh, and it was sort of glass between the floorboards. And so, when it, uh, yeah, when it, we had a gig there, and the audience was quite, uh, well, it was basically double the amount of people that should have been in there. And so, the, the floor shattered, and, um, yeah, he got speared by a piece of glass. Those poor little Jimmy the cat. It's an old East London pub and had a yeah the, the ceiling nearly fell through and they had to shut it down for a few weeks and completely replace the whole first floor. When did you discover that the cat was dead? Was it at the end of the night when you're doing an idiot check, like looking for your amps and stuff? We're very good friends with the not the landlord, but um, a guy that's very closely linked with the pub. So he, he was actually watching the show. And then when he felt that the floor was moving up and down, he left like the bil- well, went downstairs. So we, we soon found out as soon as we got downstairs. Did he get a new cat at all, do you know? They actually haven't got a new cat since. I don't know why. They did get a new ceiling, though. 
Horrors, you're here in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Yes, we are. Which is kind of your home, but not as much as Montreal. And it all goes back, doesn't it, to the gruesome. Oh, here we are, yeah. I met this guy in uh, Toronto, actually. What's his name? Jerry Alvarez. He was there at the show. Um... Oh, was it Montreal? No, no, it was Montreal he came to. I think it was Toronto, me. No, 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 it was Montreal. Oh, it was, was it Montreal? Oh, okay. We could argue this all day, but in any case, he was at one of the shows, and uh, apparently he's got a new band called the Jerry Alvarez Odyssey. Have you heard them? Yes, they're very good, and he was in the Gruesomes, and here we have the Gruesomes right here, and there is Bobby Beaton of the Gruesomes. How can you, you know, what can you tell me about the Gruesomes? Well, I think they're one of the finest Canadian garage bands. I think they, I don't know, have they just just fantastic and frantic and wild and snotty and that's our favourite kind of punk. Because Bobby... Of all that early, that, I mean, all, all the uh, Garage Revival stuff and they're probably my favourite. The only ones that come close are the Gravedigger 5, do you know them? Uh, they're actually on, uh, I can't remember the name of the label now. Bomb. Are they? Right, well, they're the other great ones. Midnight Records. Because they had enough, like, punk to take it, although they looked completely kind of garagey, they had enough going on that wasn't... I don't know, I don't really like the fuzz tones, which is a controversial thing, I suppose. Well, I like a few songs, but not generally. Well, here we have the Gruesomes LP, the Tyrants of Teen Trash, and the Gruesomes actually asked me, and I'm giving you as a gift, their whole collection. I know you've probably got a bit of it, but there's CD versions, Gruesomania. There's the new band that Bobby Beaton, the singer, has. There he is, all these years later called the Fez Tones. Brilliant, thank you. Doing some amazing frat instrumental stuff. Oh, great. That's, That's for you to go check out. I think you have Gruesomology, yeah, but these yeah. are the reissues of the individual albums. On that cave-in one as well that came out recently. But specifically, Bobby asked me to ask you a question. There's Bobby Beaton there. Maybe you can show to people. There's Bobby Beaton with probably one of the best hairstyles ever of modern garage rock. Yep. And he, he has a question for you guys in the horrors, and it says, Something to Ask the Horrors by Bobby Beaton. I was in a store a few years ago, and I heard Jack the Ripper playing over the sound system. Yes. It was clearly a version of that garage song originally done by the One Way Streets on Back from the Grave. But the version I was hearing sounded way closer to the Gruesomes. Yeah, he's probably right. But it wasn't the Gruesomes. I couldn't understand it. I felt like Homer Simpson did when he sees his own face on the Mr. Sparkle Box. Right. And his big question is, from Bobby Beaton of the Gruesomes to the Horrors all these years later, did they, the Horrors, get Jack the Ripper's song from the Gruesomes? Well, we already knew the um, Screamy Lord Such version and the One Way Streets, but we were very much into the Gruesomes version. Uh, I think the One Way Streets is probably everyone's favourite, but the Gruesomes was, yeah, the Gruesomes was the one that we were listening to, and, and you know, when we first got together, that's, we, that's one, of the, one of our bands we really loved, and so, yeah. How did you discover them? Uh, actually, me and, when me and Tom used to work in, um, in this, like, this 60s shop uh, in Camden, like when we were going to all the garage clubs, we were like 16, um, and that we'd just play that in the store every day. It was in there. I don't know where it came from, but yeah, we, we li- literally listened to it every day. And then, yeah, I got, I got that 7-inch with, uh, with No More Lies on the other side and Jack the Ripper, and yeah, that was like my highly highest prized record for ages. And it just keeps on going and going. So there we have the Gruesomes with their very amazing record cover. You guys influenced by them? Yes. But of course their record cover was influenced by your good buddies in the Count Five. There we go. So there's the Count Five and then there's the Gruesomes doing... 
Jack the Ripper. Doing the count five. <laughs> Do, is it, there's the group, you, you get it, like there, there's the, and you have count in? Count in five. Count in five. <laughs> just going on and on and on. Well, we're just huge garage fans. But then it doesn't stop there, though, because the gruesomes also were into the music machine, eh? Yeah, of course. The best dressed garage band. <laughs> yes, the best dressed garage band. And that's what I wanted to ask you about garage fashion. What do you guys think about garage fashion? Well, I mean, it's just, it's just that, you know, it's just that thing of, like, you know, uh, the way you dress being a reflection of the music you're into. I mean, it's just, I don't know, they, they all look amazing, but it's totally not... Um I love the garage fashion. Yeah, I think, you know, if, you, if you're a teenager and you get into, like, snotty punk and you, that's what you're doing and you're going out listening to it, collecting the records, that's how you feel, that's how you look. It's as simple as that, really. And uh, you've said that in mags, haven't you? Because in this shindig magazine, you were interviewed, Mr. Wow. Spiderweb. <laughs> I certainly was, and yeah. you open up to little spot there what do we have the story on garage garage fashion garage fashion if we open it up what do we have mr spiderweb saying about i much prefer talking about fashion uh, along with these records and this magazine and actually talking about the music and the heritage rather than the the general questions we get about about fashion so i'm willing to go with you on this one so there we have the horrors here's another connection can i just see that gruesome's cover again it's got another great little hairstyle going on there. Ah, Mr. Spiderweb. And right there, what do we have? An interview with Mr. Spiderweb. What is he saying about the gruesomes and records and rock and roll? It's, um, who's, your star, who's your style icon, if you could name one? I've never had a style icon. I think Music Machine were the best dressed garage band. And I don't think anyone else has beat the gruesomes since. There <laughs> so we have the Music Machine, the gruesomes all coming all together. This is incredible. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, I think that's one of the best things about being in a band, you know, because I think obviously we all have this very similar taste in music. You guys have a new song called Who? Who Can Say, yeah. Who Can Say? That's correct. Now, that's very Joe Meekish, isn't it? I suppose, yeah. I mean, there's Joe Meek elements, Phil Spector elements, you know. Because it really kind of sounds like Telstar, a bit of the keyboards in there. I love it. Do you know what? You're only the second person to pull out that uh, Tornadoes reference, and I was really pleased when I read it in a, on an online review, um, because... No one else has, would, has mentioned that. They all say, oh, it sounds like early New Order, or it sounds like this, or... And actually, if anything, it was kind of a subconscious thing, because it's just absolutely love the tornadoes, and that's, yeah, how I was supposed to attack some melodies and stuff like that. But yeah, you're completely right. And when I actually heard it, I was really pleased that someone had thought the same. What's going on with Joe Meek these days? The Joe Meek Sea Chest. Did you guys hear about that? What is that? Oh, yeah, the, uh, all the, yeah, yeah. That, is that, that's, that's, I don't know. It's like an auction of his lost tapes, and what a horror with all your record label money gonna buy that. We don't have any money, but nobody bought it, did they? I was just curious, whatever happened to that? It hasn't been bought and it hasn't come out. There's no, at the moment, there's, it doesn't look like it's gonna come out. The guy who had it refused to play anyone or give anyone access to it or compile any of the tracks inside until last year he actually put the whole chest up complete for auction. And uh, I don't know what the starting price was, but nobody bid on it. So I don't know if it was too much, but there's, apparently there's a Bowie, uh, unreleased Bowie track in there. And no one's confirmed it, but that's what I'd like to hear anyway. And there's a Joe Meek play. Did you guys see the Joe Meek play at all? No. I haven't seen Joe it. went to see it. We missed it. It seems like Joe Meek is everywhere. Like, I was doing an interview with Duffy, and she's even on a soundtrack. Well, do you know why? It's because we, we were on that label, her label, and I reckon our uh, A&R guy gave her a few CDs via us. So Duffy is into the Joe Meek. And one thing I found about Joe Meek, I didn't know, he invented the answering machine? Well, yeah, I mean, there's that, that's, that answering message he's got on that, on that compilation, isn't there? Joe Meek uh, answers, what's it called? He pitches, what's it? he pitches up his voice, so it sounds like it's his kind of female receptionist, but it's actually, it's actually Joe. And speaking of Joe Meek and stuff, Toe Rag Studios. 
Have you guys ever recorded there? No, we haven't, no. Any reason why you haven't been a vintage toe rag? For people that don't know, what is toe rag? Toe rag's um, kind of the the best, one of the best, there's a couple, um, analog studios in London. And Liam Watson, who uh, who runs it, has recorded all of the Medway groups, Buff Medway's head coats, head coatees, and famously the White Stripes. Um, and it's full of ex kind of BBC desks. Well, he's just got an amazing collection of everything you could imagine, I think. But would it be natural the horse would go in there? Well, the funny thing is, he came, to, the funny, he came to see one of our early shows and we were kind of quite excited that he came along. Um, and apparently he really didn't like it, so we didn't speak to him about it then. And then he came to see a, a second show and we thought we had a really terrible gig. And he came up after and said, oh, great, I really enjoyed it. That was, I really get it. And then there was a, another night where we ran into each other because he does a club called The Hideout, which is in this little basement thing. And they play, he's got this amazing... Um, record player it's like a valve driven record player with a built-in speaker and then him and a guy called Ben Ollins who I think actually um, came out to Canada to see the gruesome few years back that's one of those stories but anyway they stand on either side of the club with these two record players with no mixer kind of turning on their seven playing their seven inches back to back over a you know, regular DJ console. But anyway, down there he came over and kind of whispered in my ear with his kind of moustache, kind of grooming, and saying, do you know, I tell you what, it'd be really great to make a really scary record. Um, but yeah, it, it, never, it never came to fruition. But the point for us, I think, was we always wanted to do something. We didn't want to be one of those kind of only working with analog equipment or only using old gear. We were always kind of a forward-thinking band. Yeah, sorry, that was a really long-winded explanation. It was amazing getting to the bottom of it with the horror... Horrors. <laughs> Horrors. Now, Ferris, I've heard that sometimes at some gigs it only takes five minutes for you to get your shirt ripped off. My shirt, it hasn't actually uh, been ripped off that many times. Well, how quick does it take for the shirt to get ripped off? Well, my shirts are normally quite durable, so I'm, I'm usually okay. Because, you know, a lot of rock and rollers, they take off the shirt, but you can't help it. Like, people are ripping off the shirt. I heard it was like five minutes, the shirt gets ripped off, and six minutes, and pans are down pants. Are you going to be down the front row this evening? Uh, no, baboon. No, I was just curious. Does that happen? Like, five minutes to shirt, six minutes, people start touching you. How quick does that happen? That sounds pretty insane. I don't think five minutes into the show we're that close to the audience, although sometimes we'd like to be, but there has been a few points where uh, you have come back with less of a shirt and there. Less shirt than I left with, yeah. Embarrassed smile on your face. Yeah. <laughs> well, how big are you, Ferris? How big am I? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm six foot six. And how big are the horrors? Like, the horrors, how big are the horrors? I think we're um, very big, yes. I think you guys are huge, amazing. And what I put forth is this, is this Josh, your guitarist on Google Street View? Yeah, how the hell did you find that? That is him. This is incredible. Like, let's back up and say, Google Street View. Where, where is this? This is on Hackney Road. Josh, this, in fact, he's really lazy because this is the top of Hackney Road. And here he is, like, eagerly looking for the bus with his guitar. He only lives down here. He always makes out like he walks to the studio. But actually, there we go. Our, re our rehearsal room is kind of... The, the, of the street, I don't know, how long is it, whatever. It's, it's like, I don't know, like, t it's only maybe a five-minute walk. Uh, uh, halfway, sorry, halfway between his house... No, the, the next five minutes is a studio, then it's his house anyway, so it's all in the long stretch. But yeah, that's interesting. Now, how did you guys discover that? Google Street View, Josh, your guitarist. Well, you discovered it. Uh, well, I guess I was searching for the horrors deep through London. That is pretty amazing, it up on Google Street View. Funny you say that, because obviously someone did, because it was someone on our forum that posted a link to it, and I mean, I don't know wh why they would have been searching Hackney Road at that point or whatever, or how they even yeah, spotted him. Because, I mean, to, to actually, uh, yeah, those, I mean, think how much of London they could have seen.
Because the initial shot's quite zoomed out as well. It's like a five-minute bus ride he's taken. Is that what it is? Just to get to the end of his road. So being lazy paid off in the end. Well, we fame at last. Now, speaking of traveling and stuff, Mexican Garage. You told Jerry Alvarez to think about Mexican Garage. Is the Mexican Garage pretty big, like the garage scene there? Um, well, yeah, I mean, there's a massive tradition of garage in, in Mexico, yeah, definitely. But, like, right now, people are totally into, like, you have lots of good Mexican fans? Well, we've got lots of big, you know, great Mexican fans, but we've been asked recently about any of the bands playing in Mexico, and if we, if we know any of them, and so far, we haven't really heard any, so that's something we need to look into yeah, ne- next we're week. playing Mexico in, in about a week, so we kind of need a, yeah, need a decent support band. It'd be cool to get a really good garage band. Horace, when you guys opened for the Arctic Monkeys, did people really chuck cell phones? at you? <laughs> yeah, aeroplane seat belts, coins, cell phones, uh, or mobile phones as we call them. Um, but that's pretty good though, cell phones. Like that's something you can use and actually trade in at the end of the gig. Did you, how many were checked up? Oh, well, probably about three or four. I mean, I just love the fact that someone would be so infuriated as to throw a, a really valuable possession. <laughs> but this wasn't in the era of iPhones, was it? Was the iPhone invented? Oh, that would have been Too bad nice. you can't go back in time for that, right? Yeah, that would have been good. People were throwing shoes as well, but only one, so they'd be like hopping home. You also played, I saw on the internet, the Surf Festival in Cornwall? Oh yeah, that was quite early on actually. That's an amazing gig, Ferris, with you going in the audience there. What was that? Was that kind of like a warp tour, sort of surf skateboard type thing? Because you're going in the audience there going crazy. It's a really funny thing, because obviously when you mentioned like it was a surf festival or something, I mean, it could have been an amazing festival full of great instrumental bands playing with Echo Rex on stage. But actually, yeah, it was just kind of bleach blonde, kind of uh, Bermuda short wearing surfers and BMX. And then we played at kind of midday in 30 degree heat. All it was wipeout, and no one seemed to know it. You're like going in the audience, like pushing over Blink 182 fans, like little girls there. Yeah, little girls, my easiest victims. Has Ferris pushed over a little girl? I haven't seen him do that, no. Here we are in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada with Ferris. Of the Horrors. And Spider Web. Of the Horrors. Now, I know you guys are the Horrors because I read Enemy. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Now, here we have Enemy with you guys on the cover, right? Yes, that, that's us. Promoting your brand new LP. Uh, yeah. Now, what I find interesting is they said that your new album was inspired by the Pretty Things, SF Soro. Yes. <laughs> now, if we could open up to that little point right there, what picture do the enemy put down for the Pretty Things? Outrageous photo <laughs> you could ever imagine. Oh, considering all of their European sleeves, for example, because you didn't get company sleeves in... Uh, pitch sleeves in the UK. There's like a, a wealth of amazing psychedelic era pretty things photos they could have used. And they used this one. Now, great band and everything, but do you ever wonder, like, can't they just go through their archives? Do people get that confused, like wrong era of the pretty things? They don't get confused. It's just like, you know, they've got a deadline, they want to go home, and they don't actually care. That's why, like, fanzines are the best source of music, because it's people who are actually doing it for the love of it, not people who are trying to meet a deadline. I also noticed that your guitarist, Josh, as featured in Google Street View... Yep. He said on the new album that you guys were totally into the no New York sound of Mars. Yeah. I've got this record at home. Do you have the inner sleeve with actual, the lyrics inside? I think it might be there. I guess what I was curious is what can you tell the people about Mars and perhaps the Mars influence versus the Pretty Things influence on your brand new LP? It's not actually that far far removed, is it? Because I mean, it's uh, it's all about you know using instruments in a uh, unconventional way or you know seeing how you can push them. It's so- and this particular record, no new way for people that haven't heard it has Mars on it and Lydia Lunch and much other bands. Yeah, I think it's sonic communication, isn't it? It's just the way you can use sound to make the listener feel a certain way or the way you know we playing it feel a certain. 
certain way. And uh, Mars and DNA, especially on this record, just completely destroyed that idea, you know, and they just were attacking their instruments and um, and there's so much feeling there. There's as much feeling in that as there is like sitting at the dock of the on the dock of the bay or something for me. It's it's as kind of emotive and um, you know, and that's the kind of thing that interests us and, and us writing as musicians as well. And I think in a similar way, you know, that um, the SF Sora album, I don't know if you've heard a track Defecting Grey, which was a, a single of theirs. Do you know that one by The Pretty Things? I mean, that attacks senses in, in like, ten different ways on this one track. And, and that's, you know, a thing we're interested in doing. How about Toynbee Hall? That's where I shot the video? Yeah, yeah. Um, What's that place like? It looked kind of interesting. Well, I mean, I don't know. It's just a theatre, really. It's, you know, on... on just a theatre in England. There must be some good action there. It was interesting because it's actually... Um, completely hidden away it's just in the back streets of east london and we all kind of live around there and know everywhere and we've played all the venues and we know all the bars or whatever you know but um yeah we'd never heard of this theater it's kind of tucked away and obviously it's like a really great space so it was a new thing for us to find now speaking of money and stuff there ferris yeah record label money there wasn't much of it was there there wasn't much no but did they actually buy ads for you guys on the tube well i mean that's kind of how how stupid their placement was they didn't have much yet they just put it on like you know pretty much a useless uh is that awesome though on the tube it's funny, but it's pretty stupid when it's like when you've got not a lot of money to get your stuff out there and, you know, it's being wasted on that kind of advertisement. We haven't seen any of them because we've been in America the whole time. But what are you talking about for the new album? I was talking about for actually for the old album. Are there new two bads too? I doubt, I, doubt I doubt there are ones for the new one. I think there is one or two, I've heard. Really? I don't know if they're on the so You're back in the two back underground. Now, winding up here, Horace, you mentioned fanzines and stuff. You put out your own fanzine. Yeah. Yeah, we did, yeah. And right. you had, like, the top ten... Uh, wildest tracks or crazy... Madman songs. Yeah. And I loved that number one, clocking in at number one, was The Fun Boy 3. <laughs> the lunatics have taken over the asylum. Yes, exactly. What can tell people about Fun Boy 3 and influence on the horse? I mean, you guys got everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that album is fantastic. I mean, screw the specials, really. Union. Let's bring on the Fun Boy 3. The specials, well, more specials has its moments uh, for me over the first one, but the Fun Boy 3 I prefer definitely. And this particular track that you were thinking of, Lunatics, are. Taking over the asylum. Why'd you like that one? Because it, it sounds like insanity. It's almost got this kind of nonsensical chanting, which could be people on their way out of the asylum, you know, kind of skulking their way through. Uh, and Terry Hall's kind of singing in a kind of. Kind of, I don't know, very strange, removed, kind of sinister, kind of almost trouble brewing kind of style, and uh, and rhythmically it kind of throws off and goes all over the place. Yeah. Just and you guys also mentioned Porter Wagner with the good old rubber room. Yeah, yeah. We can tell people the rubber room, Ferris. Is this a bootleg? Yeah, it is a bootleg. <laughs> Uh, Why would people bootleg Porter Wagner? It's that amazing, isn't it? Well, yeah, that Rubber Room track's absolutely brilliant. I mean, he's got a f he's got a few brilliant ones. Well, quite a few, but uh, yeah, that's definitely the pinnacle. Were you ever asked to open up for Porter Wagner? No, but funny enough, um, I thought you were because it was on the same. Not quite. It was more. We were uh, originally asked by the White Stripes to support them at Madison Square Gardens, and uh, yeah, yeah, and we we weren't, and we couldn't do it, and he ended up doing it instead. Which <laughs> I don't know. I think so. I'd, you missed playing with Porter Wagner. Well, I'd rather. I'd rather and the White Stripes, but more importantly, you know who Porter Wagner had drumming for him? No. Billy Bob Thornton. Really? Yes, he was the drummer for Porter Wagner on a few tunes. Wow. 
pretty amazing all the way with the band of horse. What can you say about Rubber Room now? We got to give some props to the Rubber Room. That's a great track. It's the, I mean, it's the same. You know, I mean, obviously it was on the same list, but I mean, it's that you know that whole idea of like you know proper uh, psychological madness and yeah, and that kind of I mean that kind of horror is like is the kind of horror I'm interested in. You know that the, the real like you know the Hitchcock, the really unsettling. You know, like just total insanity. I really love the way how you guys can educate me. Like you educated me on Bobby songs, Ferris. On Bobby songs. Oh, like, yeah. All these songs have the word Bobby in it. What can you say about that? It was perhaps <clears throat> Pamela Blue and Sherry Sisters. What can you tell people about that? It was a CD you put in with your zine that taught me about Bobby songs. Yeah, I, I'm, well, I'm really into 60s girl groups. And, and um, uh, yeah, I mean, the Pamela Blue one, that whole Joe Meek compilation of, of, girl, of Joe Meek girls is like, it's all uh, incredible. But yeah, I've, I've, I've heard so many more Bobby songs since then. So maybe I'll do another one. It was my friend Bobby. Stay away from Bobby. I love those. All these like, but why was it Bobby? You think? Sorry, I've just got I've just got sidetracked by reading this on the side. Is this your record? This is actually from CITR Radio. Did you write that? Who wrote that? A DJ, probably when it came out. These boys may think they're fun, and they are as far as singles are concerned. Singles are concerned, but LP-wise, they are dull. <laughs> wow. Actually, I think that might have been written by a guy called Noel S. Baker. You dare? It's a great record. <laughs> Here, horrors. I love the compilation you put together there, Ferris. You had needle noise. Needle noise? You put needle noise on your little CD. Uh, Was there needle noise? It's because they all came from 7-inch records. Oh, yeah, yeah. I like the needle noise that you had. I thought you were talking about some weird band. Yeah, no, well, I mean, it's just my, my, it's my 7-inch is recorded into my computer. So, I mean, yeah, they're not all perfect condition. What do you guys remember about the date March 10th, 2006? Well, that could have been around the time that we... Single, was it? No, that was before we released Single. It could have been around the time we, don't know, first started talking about getting the band together. That's when you played the Dirty Water Club last. We we got together in 2005. Was it 2005? On March the 10th, you don't even remember when you got together. Oh, no. <laughs> Has it been that much of a hard tour that Spiderweb is forgetting? If anything, not, not remembering when you got together is more of an indication of how, how fun it is. I mean. Or how fast it's gone. Yeah. Because on that night, March the 10th, 2006, you played the Dirty Water Club with Zombina and the Skeletons and the Monster Club. We certainly did, yes. Well, you returned to the Dirty Water Club, an amazing venue in England, because I know you do DJing and stuff. What about just playing with horrors? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> maybe on the way down. <laughs> well, playing the D- Dirty Water Club is going on the way down? Not at all. No, yeah, I mean, we'd like to do that. I think PJ's asked us to do it a couple of times since, and we've just not been around. It'd be cool to, like, to go back and do like a, you know, like a proper garage set or whatever. I mean, stuff like that is, you know, yeah, definitely. When would you do a proper garage set? Is that DJing or actually playing? Like, would you play some of your garage classics at the Dirty Water Club? Or are you going to bust any out tonight? Is that what you meant? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Well, what does it mean by proper garage set? Um, well, I suppose... He being Ferris, sorry. He being as, I don't know, as a band, we are kind of always growing and moving and developing. So I suppose it would be when we first played together, we were playing Sonic the Witch by the Sonics, Jack the Ripper, and Crawley Simone by the Syndicats, who are uh, British, they're a British group, but they're as wild as a garage band. Um, you know, and they were the songs that were kind of, well, half of their songs were covers because we'd only been together for this one. So I suppose it's that idea, you know, of going back to stomping out the you know the teen punk it's a different thing because i mean you know we like yeah we we learned to play together as a band and you know we learned playing those songs so we just kind of i don't know it's a different thing now Last- 
Lastly here, Horace, what about the other Jack White? Isn't there another Jack White, a DJ from the new Untouchables Club? Yeah, he's an old friend of mine. Wasn't he in, like, in a band too? Quant. Yeah. You know the funny thing? Quaint, or wasn't it? No, Quant. Meet after? Mary Quant. Yeah. You know the bass player's in the other room because he's a, a guitar tech. Oh, that's incredible. What can tell people about that? Like, he was in a garage band, his name was Jack White, and then... Yeah, but this was long before anyone in England had heard of uh, Jack White. It was probably in, like, night though. It must be kind of weird, though. You're called Jack White, you're kind of in a garage band, and next year or two, there's another guy called Jack White, and he's super huge, recording a toe rag. It worked out quite well for this club promoter, because he was a DJ there, and then suddenly, every month, Jack White was DJing at his night, so I think that worked out quite nicely for him. Has Jack White met Jack White, do you know? No, but he lives in LA now, so I don't know, maybe he'll run into him at a gig or something. How many nectar points do you guys have at Stainsbury's? I don't shop at Sainsbury's, it's too expensive. Are you into the nectar points, you know, the special cards? My mum's got a nectar card, maybe. But, I mean, it's, I don't know, that's that's more for people who want to save money, isn't it, rather than uh, people who want to... I wish I had a Tesco's card, because I do shop in Tesco's, but it's just one of those things I just never get around to doing. <laughs> Lastly, your horrors, just before I leave, I want to ask you a couple quick questions. Your brother's band! Yes. Scum! Scum! They're playing with Throbbing Gristle! They're playing with Throbbing Gristle, yeah. Oh, that is going to be incredible, eh? So we saw Throbbing Gristle at Coachella, actually, about a month ago. Now, what was that like? Yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, it's uh, all the all the hits. It was really sad how Genesis' wife died, right? I have to say, I didn't know she had died. Yeah, because she had died, and he had, he had tried to make himself look like her. That's oh, right, right, right. Sorry. By genetically altering. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that was that, the reason. I didn't realize that. I thought. I mean, I thought he sort of started that process long before he got married. I don't know. I, yeah. I thought that he wanted to look like her. I thought it started off as him and Cozy doing an art an art kind of project and he carried on going with it and she didn't. That's what I thought. But I could be completely wrong. But we did meet him um, and he was very, very nice. He came to see us play our first show in New York at the Bowery Ballroom. Um, so yeah, but seeing them live was amazing. Actually, the one thing about it was as well... That's pretty amazing. Welcome to America. The guy from Throbbing Grizzle shows up. That's a pretty good welcome, isn't it? The funny thing was, Josh went to get some strings from a guitar shop and he went in there and was like, oh, are you in a band? Are you playing tonight? And uh, he was like, yeah, yeah. Oh, what was the name of the band? So, oh, the horrors. And he said, oh, I'm coming with Genesis to see you tonight. So that was quite crazy. We, we knew he was going to come. Anything else you want to say to the people out there at all, Ferris, from Ferris Bueller's Day Off? I hope that, I hope that story about, I mean, I hope that thing about Genesis is true, about him wanting to look like, that's insane. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, it's sort of insane no matter what the reason for his current state. I could be wrong. I'm a wrong lot at a time. I think he I hope great, not. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very uh, imposing. Horace, anything else you want to tell the people out there at all? I really like your interview technique. It's like um, an ever-unwinding ball of string. Well, thank you so much for coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Where do you get your hat? Actually, my mom brought it back from Scotland. Oh, it's a good one. Home of the Kaisers. Home of the Kaisers. <laughs> well, thanks so much, horrors. Keep on rocking in the free world and do do the loot do. Um, bye. <laughs> Almost do do the loot do do do.
told her I didn't love her anymore, she cried. And when I told her her kisses were not like before, she cried. And when I told her another girl had caught my eye, she cried. And then I kissed her with a kiss that could only mean goodbye. You're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwarda Human Serviette Radio Show. That there just was the horrors with Who Can Say from their brand new CD. And before that, an interview with the horrors. Coming up right now is the gruesomes version of Jack the Ripper. Then we're going to follow up by the horrors version of Jack the Ripper. Then we're going to play the Fun Boy 3 with the lunatics have taken over the asylum. And then Mars from the No No Wave compilation out of New York, the band Mars. Again, subtle influences on the band The Horrors from London, England. Here is The Gruesomes with Jack the Ripper from Montreal, Quebec. Uh, Originally bought (coughs) Screaming Lord Such.
You're still listening to CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And that was a super mix there of Mars meets Fun Boy 3 and the Lunatics. 
and the asylum all together mixed in one giant mashup in honor of the horrors. Right now, here is the Fez Tones. The Gruesomes eventually metamorphosized into the Fez Tones, are still going strong as the Gruesomes, but also do the Fez Tones as well. And we're going to hear from their brand new CD that's been out a little while. I don't know if that still means it's brand new, but it is brand new to me. Well, it's not really that brand new to me, but it feels nice and brand new. That's bad. That's worse coming up here by the Fez Tones. And then, in the interview with the Horrors, and again, you're listening to CITR, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, the Nardware Human Survey Radio Show. Yeah, we heard Mars mixed with the Fun Boy 3 there. And before that, Jack the Ripper by the Horrors and then Jack the Ripper by the Gruesomes. And that's what we're going to play, the Fez Tones with their particular track. That's bad. That's worse. But if you go way, way, way back to the Horrors, the Horrors were talking about Ferris, specifically about a fanzine that they put out, a couple issues, and a CD that came with the fanzine. And I listened to this CD, and it's great. It's got all these girl bands on it, and they're all singing about Bobby. And we're going to hear all these songs. And are they singing about Bobby Beaton of the Gruesomes? Who knows? But these songs are by April Byron, He's My Bobby. Then we have Stay Away From Bobby by the Sherry Sisters, and My Friend Bobby by Pamela Blue. All these Bobby songs personally chosen by Ferris from the band The Horrors, who personally chose Jack the Ripper to cover on their first CD. Here is the Fez Tones on CITR, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. I got some bad news, fellas. Uh, Tell us! What is it? What What do you got? I just broke my guitar. That's bad. When I got hit by a car. That's worse. Well, I'm so broke, I can't pay rent. That's bad. They're gonna kick me out of my tent. That's worse. Just turns out wrong That's bad. And it makes me 
Still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And that was The Count Five with The Morning After. The Count Five, who partially inspired the Gruesomes with their front cover photo for their record, The Tyrants of Teen Trash. And speaking of the Gruesomes, Bobby Beaton was in the Gruesomes. And there were a whole bunch of Bobby songs as chosen by Ferris from the Horrors, who covered the Gruesomes. We ended there with My Friend Bobby and bef- by Pamela Blue. Before that, Stay Away from Bobby by the Sherry Sisters. Before that, He's My Bobby with April Byron saying that one. And before that, Bobby Beaton's band, the Festones doing That's Bad, That's Worse. To end an Ardwarty Human Serviette radio show, I'm going to play a couple things here. The first is a track that was sent to me by Red Milk. Red Milk, thank you very much for sending me this track, and I'm playing it for you. People, send your stuff. I'll play it. This is Red Milk with the song Pale Nurse, and right after that, some live gruesomes from their live in hell cassette recorded in Halifax, Nova Scotia, 1989. The date is not important. But here first is the Red Milk from Canada. Storm I did move 
Are you ready to open the gates of hell? Change my 
Wait.